beautiful people across the globe. We just want to welcome you to another edition of D-A-K-I-C-K-B-A-C-K, The Kickback, with Sharika, Sabrina, and E.B. What's good, Kickback family? It is a joy to be back with the squad. It's always a privilege and a pleasure. And um, we just want to say thank you to our listeners for always chiming in in one way or another. But as always, we start off, Sabrina, Sharika, and we got a special guest, but we'll get to that later. How y'all feeling? Can you guys hear that? Yes. I do. Okay, period. That's my (laughs) feeling today. Rattle by elevation. Okay, side note before I go really into that. I know a lot of times I say my feeling is like a musical feeling because that's how I feel, but I notice usually I'm quoting the lyrics too. So I think it's a combination of both. Yes, I absolutely love music. I have a pretty eclectic taste, but I absolutely love poetry too. And lyrics and songs is the combination for me. Okay, And I feel like this whole season, this whole pandemic thing, what just came out of nowhere, I kind of was in a wilderness state, even right before the pandemic, I shared on the podcast before, there are just some things happening in my personal life that impacted my spiritual life. And you know, it wasn't the best of times. But guess what? Saturday was silent. Surely it was three. But when has the impossible ever stopped you? Okay. Friday's (laughs) disappointment is Sunday's empty tomb. Since when has the impossible ever stopped you? This is the sound. Where's my little paper clip? Of dry bones rattling. I'm so excited because I know I'm going to live again. One of my favorite parts of my job is camp. We do overnight camps in the summer, music and arts camps. Just let's go out into the wilderness and learn about nature camps. And I love that. And I'm probably less than a month away from that. So I really feel like I'm coming out of this little season of wilderness when we were like so isolated, literally isolated (laughs) for portions of that. And I'm just really happy and excited. So my tip today is rattle. I'm going to say sunny and 75. Sharika, how are you? Girl, I'm feeling wonderful today. I'm so excited about our special guest. I know we're just keeping you guys in suspense, but you'll find out soon enough. Probably going to be in the show notes. So dang it, you probably already know. But it doesn't matter. I'm so excited. I'm so happy for a lot of reasons because of the person we're going to talk to, which inspired my choice of song. But also, this is a little inside joke to Sabrina and and my friends. But today's song is going to be Jesus Freak. Okay? So... Throwing it back to the 90s. If you don't know about DC Talk, where have you been? What are you doing with your life? I'm I'm sure you've heard of Toby Mac, maybe. And the reason I picked this song is because I feel like the person we're going to talk to is the Jesus Freak. And as well as ourselves on the podcast. We are Jesus Freaks too. But the words say, what will people think when they hear that I'm a Jesus Freak? What will they do when they find that it's true? I don't really care if they label me a Jesus Freak. There ain't no disguising the truth. And that is what I think about when I think about the person we're going to talk about today. This person is truly a Jesus Freak in the best impossible way. He loves the Lord. He loves Jesus. He loves his people. He's smiling, laughing at me. But anyway, I am still excited. I'm so happy. I am a good 78. And I just can be more grateful to the Lord for this time with us together today. Evie, how are you? I am feeling good. Um, if I were to give a, well, I'm going to give a song, but if I were to put a number on it, it's anywhere between the, I would say, high 70s and low 80s. Partly because we are in May, just thinking about the time we're recording this, but though this is like Memorial Day weekend 
or whatnot for many of us. I woke up today and it was 65. And I just feel like in May, that is ridiculous. And I know some people who feel like that's great. And there's countless places and countless states that you can definitely move to if you choose to go to those places. Um, If you want this type of weather, you can move. Um, Sharika, that includes you as well. But if there's a song, there is a guy by the name of Jermaine Lamar Cole, who just dropped an album recently. Most people just know him by J. Cole. And he had a song, or he has a song on his new album called Pride is the Devil. And one of the parts on there says that pride be the reason for my family dichotomy. Got uncles and some aunties that's too proud to give apologies. Slowly realizing what the root of all my problems be. It got me feeling different when somebody say they proud of me. And it was a lot of other moments in that album that really resonated with me and where I felt it. But I just think of some of the challenges that I have with siblings at times, just as a family as a whole, aunties, uncles, where people just refuse to apologize for things that they know they've done wrong. And sometimes they'll even tell another person in the family that they know they're wrong, but they refuse to apologize. And so that pride, I believe, is just of and from the devil. And that's why some days when people do tell me that they're proud of me, it's like a an iffy feeling because I like I refuse to of course put myself on a pedestal or to allow other people to put me on one but I sometimes just know the root of some of my family challenges or issues and we all have them so don't think my family is worse than yours even though it might be but we all got family challenges at times where we're like oh why, why is this happening some days I just be like I would prefer no attention come my way and we just keep going through life together. So that's my song and that's my temperature. And last but not least, our special guest, Sharika told y'all that he's a Jesus freak. And I really was laughing at that part because I'm probably, I just know him enough where he's like, I would say I am, but I don't want nobody to call me a Jesus freak. Like that just sounds weird. Um, Just because I just feel like that's how Major Cam is. I would say he is a definitely someone who loves God, definitely someone who loves people, definitely someone who loves his wife, definitely someone who loves, I would say, both of his daughters now, because he has a daughter in love, um, and Brianna, his daughter Ellie, and his son Cam, um, and somebody who will find any way to dig deeper at how you're doing physically, emotionally, mentally, and most importantly, spiritually, to assure that you're on the right track um, with yourself, um, but more importantly, on the right track with God. And you'll always just see him pointing things to the kingdom. And even in the moments where you fully disagree with connecting with God in that moment, he will find a way to say, hey, let's pray about it. Where like he's okay with listening to some of your challenges or your issues or your problems or some of the things that you're dealing with. But some days he'll straight up tell you, I don't got the answers, but I know the one who does. So let's pray about it. And I just think that that has been extremely helpful for me and countless others. And the man just opens up his home to literally any and everybody um, for people to experience the love of God um, through him and his wife's actions. So, uh, Major Cam, how are you doing? How are you feeling? What's your temp like? Man, that was... uh... That's a heavy introduction. Uh, it's going to be hard to live up to that, but I appreciate y'all very much. I know it comes from your hearts and love you guys. This is awesome to be on. I'm uh, intimidated and nervous and kind of scared and all that, but it's awesome to be here with you. It's like a, a balmy 85, like really nice outside, but like a, a Florida 85 where you're like sitting on your lanai, like not outside sweating and dying. And uh, choked by the uh, the uh, what do you call it? 
the humidity. It's just nice. Yeah. Life is, uh, you know, good. So I say a, a balmy 85, although I don't get as many opportunities to think what my temperature is uh, like y'all do. So thanks for the opportunity to think, what is my temp anyway? So yeah, that's good. So I give uh, a song. Is that what we do? If you would so like I started, to. I'll throw one out. One is uh, one I really love is a, a guy named Donnie Hathaway. And he sings the Sanctuary Band. And I'm like, I love that guy's uh, sound. I worked with a guy, um, Ronnie Murchison, who just can do anything in music. And Donnie Hathaway, I didn't know Donnie Hathaway until about, I mean, I don't, I don't know Donnie Hathaway. I'm not that old. <laughs> but Ronnie just sound. I heard Donnie Hathaway. And I was like, I swear that sounds like a Donnie Hathaway. That sounds like Ronnie Murchison. So anyway, so I love uh, Donnie Hathaway. And the Sanctuary Band just sounds like me um, wanting to beat the drum and say, hey, everybody, let's jump on God's army. Let's jump in God's band and, and uh, march down the streets to tell everybody about God. So I love that one there. That's how I'm doing. You know what that sounds like to me? A Jesus freak. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tell you, I'm happy to be called a Jesus freak, but I don't know if I'm freaky enough. I, I, maybe I should be more a Jesus freak. No, it's like, no, I want to be no, more. You can't ever be too much of a Jesus freak. But That's you, true. This is a time you guys know where I get to invite someone that I would we would love to have on the podcast. We would love to meet in real life. We would just love to have great conversation with. And today in honor of our pastor being on here, we're gonna talk about a pastor that I really do love and admire, Dr. Tony Evans. He is an American Christian pastor, speaker, author, and widely, widely syndicated radio and television broadcaster. I was gonna say, unfortunately, he is from Dallas, Texas, in honor of Major Cam. I won't put no smudge on Texas today because I know he loves Texas. Dr. Evans is a senior pastor of over 9,500 members of the Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship. He founded Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in Dallas in 1976 with 10 members. So don't get discouraged, you guys, when you're starting something with only a few people. Look, you can get to 9,500 members like Dr. Tony Evans. Well, maybe you can't, but you know, that gives you aspirations to keep on going. He also founded the Urban Alternative, a national organization that seeks to restore hope and transform lives through the proclamation and the application of the word of God. The Urban Alternative radio broadcast can be heard over 1,400 outlets daily. Um, there was a summer that I was, I was teaching at a day camp and I would drive several hours and, uh, well, it wasn't several hours. It was several hours both ways, but it was like over an hour one way and an hour, over an hour on the way back home. And I would listen to Dr. Tony Evans on the Urban Alternative. I would listen to his sermons and it would just be like one of the, it's been one of the most like really good times, just that time in the car and just listening to Dr. Evans speak. It's a blessing. He also served as the chaplain of the Boo Dallas Cowboys. Oh, I forgot I wasn't going to talk that about Texas today. And also the former chaplain of the Dallas Mavericks. He taught evangelism, homiletics, and Black church studies. He was also named as one of the 12 most effective preachers worldwide by Baylor. And in 2017, Dr. Evans launched a training center, an online learning 
platform providing quality seminary style courses to equip Christian leaders who could not attend uh, seminary school. And he holds the honor of writing and publishing the first Bible commentary of Bible study by an African-American. And he's also written over a hundred books. And so that is some of the reasons that I just had to invite Dr. Tony Evans to the kickback today. So if you haven't heard of Dr. Evans, if you haven't heard of his daughter, Priscilla Shire, go look at The War Room. That's a good movie. And also check out Dr. Tony Evans. Definitely a great speaker and um, definitely a great communicator of the gospel. If you're looking for it, similar to what she just mentioned, those movies and countless books, whether it's him or his daughter or even his son or his kids as a whole. He has a study called Oneness Embraced. He got a book and a, a Bible study based on that, but it just talks about us being one and who Christ called us to be and all the things that basically help us be unified in Christ. And as we continue to see division and destruction around our world, I would encourage maybe that's something that maybe you're interested in or you know somebody who might need it and you just send them a link. Say, hey, I saw this book and I think you might enjoy it. Before I get into my questions, I want to give our guest a moment to just tell about who he is. You know, just share a little bit about yourself and who you are. Sure. I'm Cam Henderson and I'm a pastor with Salvation Army. Um, my family on both sides of my mom and dad's family for a long generations have been with Salvation Army and uh, some of our family each generation has stayed uh, with that and, and been uh, pastors and administrators of the Salvation Army's work for, um, I don't know how many years, about five generations. So it's, it's a neat history, and yet it's also personal, because I recall sitting in a number of either meetings or privately in my room and just knowing that God wanted me to do this personally. I had somebody that once asked me, oh, you're, just fo you're following in your family's footsteps. That's good. And I thought, yes, but no, it's, it's uh, directly... It's mine as well. It's not just, well, I guess I'll do this because dad did or mom. So I'm, I praise the Lord for that. And right now I have the chance to be part of a team in Florida who helps people who are in need and also who um, worships God together and, and serves uh, their communities where they live. So uh, that's what I'm doing right now. And uh, pretty soon, uh, my wife and I are headed to Knoxville, Tennessee to um, try to go and, and serve the Lord there best we can, taking you know what we learn each place and taking it to the next place and see if we can try to do better each time. I love serving God. I love studying the Bible. It just is enjoyable to me. Even just in studying a couple of days ago, just the, the aha moment. It's like, wow, that's really neat. And uh, I, I just enjoy family time. I'm kind of boring. I don't have a whole lot of stuff that I like to do. So I enjoy family time and, and reading and, and those kinds of things. So that's a little bit about me. Major Cam, I would not say that you are boring at all. You are a very interesting person and we've oh. all spent a lot of time with you and yeah. I've always had a good time. So I'm going to speak for myself and say that you are not boring at all. Well, I don't have any like, like I'm not a scuba <laughs> diver or like, oh, let me tell you all about, I don't know. I, I like hanging Major out with Cam, people like you guys. That's stop what it. I love. You want skydiving. <laughs> that's true. My wife said, uh, well, you know what? I wish you'd go skydiving. And she almost, she doesn't remember. But when she said it, I was like, I gotta find something for Christmas. It was like the 24th or something like that. And um, 
So I was like, yeah, what can I do? Oh, and it just seemed like I had planned this incredible, extravagant thing, but uh, really it's just like punched it up on the internet. Yeah, and then we had to follow through. It was very, very cool. I want y'all to know, Major Cam sounds all sweet and innocent on the pod, but he already came for me in the comment. <laughs> okay, so we're on Zoom, as you guys know. We started going to Zoom with the pandemic and we just really haven't got, we're literally all in the same building. And I like to keep the Kickbacks logo as my background because you know it's vibes over here mm -hmm. he's like sabrina are you in the witness protection it's either that or the fact i have my head wrapped <laughs> listen i'm getting my hair no <laughs> and i can't let y'all see what's under this which one was when, it you, when you got real close it was like a silhouette, <laughs> silhouette. it was just a silhouette and it was like yeah. that for like five or six minutes i was like what happened here you know okay here's what happened i was texting and i probably shouldn't have been and my phone is closer to the camera. So ignore all the business that I just told you guys. Let's just hop right into the question. Very good. Thank you. Let me give the people a, a little peek behind the curtain and let them know what's going on. So Major Cam, one of the reasons why we wanted you on the podcast is because of your pastorship. I don't know if that's a word, but it's a word today. Um, we have all greatly benefited from your ministry here in Florida. So um, we wanted to have you on to talk about your experiences as a pastor, you know, as you were giving your little intro and, and I could just hear the joy that you have and the love that you have for God and his ministry. And I think that it's so appealing, so attractive and so moving. And you were saying that people assume, oh, you're just doing it because it's a family thing. This is what everyone in your, or so many people in your family have done. But you said this was a personal thing built on your personal walk with the Lord. There may be a lot of people don't get to talk to pastors and ask them what they really enjoy about it. So what are some of the things you really enjoy about being a pastor? I like marrying people. That's fun. And, okay. and helping people find a joyful, happy life together, including uh, one or two in particular folks who are uh, near me right now. And I love that. I love helping people through hard uh, times, not necessarily with like this great wisdom or something, but just being with people. I mean, sometimes God gives you a word or a thought and it's helpful, but sometimes just can I sit with you? I don't, I don't, I don't know. But there's a lot of joy in that. I hope that doesn't sound strange or freakish, but <laughs> it's just, you know, it's just kind of like, you know, to be able to help somebody through it as, and, and, and um, as people have helped me through stuff, that's, um, that's a real joy. And I think that's one thing I think like my neighbor across the street is asking me, can the Salvation Army help his son who's, I know has been struggling We've, since we moved here, deals with drugs and alcohol. So we've been praying for his son. We never see him. He's a banker. So he's always gone. Um, mm -hmm. So once in a while I see him and, and um, you know, Hey, been praying for uh, your son. How's he doing? And struggling, whatever else. The other day he came out to me and, you know, just asked, you know, about if there were places that he could go. And so helping him with that. And then you start noticing he's kind of turning away and tears in his eyes, you know, Hey, can I pray with you? And so just standing there on the curb with the dog on the leash going, can we go now? And, you know, you just stop and pray and help people through things. Man, it's just, um, it's a privilege that, you know, you don't deserve. Um, mm -hmm. But wow, it's, um, it's a, it's a neat thing. So that's a, a really wonderful part about being a, a pastor, but you don't have to be a professional pastor to do that. We all can pastor each other and we do. So um, I think that's a wonderful thing. I love exploring the Bible. Uh, that's that's a that really is actually a, a, a neat thing for me to see how it all connects. Like, whoa, this here 
uh, is similar to thing a thousand years later or whatever else, mm-hmm. or look at that, where that came from. And so that's kind of exploratory to me. Um, and then sometimes there's really fun things like going, you know, we think, were we all on that trip, you know, take trips together occasionally going down to, uh, to an event or whatever else. Those are, those are enjoyable things as well. So you get to do, um, some neat things there, but um, I don't know. That's just some of the things. But there's 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 a lot actually. It's hard, but there's a there's a lot that's just wonderful and and enjoyable. <laughs> so you talk about a lot of different points that were um, highlighted in your answer from exploring scripture, being there with people during hard times, being able to travel to events together or gatherings where people come together most times for um, some form of fun and fellowship, but also to dig into God's word. But you started off with great joy talking about marrying people or whatnot. Mm -hmm. And you have the privilege to do ministry with your wife. What would you say to maybe someone who is in a marriage right now or someone who's contemplating marriage? Um, getting married or somebody who says marriage is not for me when you think about you and Paula's life like what would how would you expound I I guess I would say on marriage to the average person I would say it's sacrifice and and in a wonderful wonderful way like if both of you especially if you know God then your sacrifice is is on his altar Um, but it's for and it's for the sake of him but it's to the blessing of your partner, uh, your husband or wife. And I think it, in Ephesians, he talks, uh, Paul talks about the fact that, you know, husbands love your wives and, and wives submit to your husbands and, and people get all in a, a kerfuffle. Is that what we call it? Anyway, they get all like, well, what does that mean? Whatever else. Well, I look at it as both sacrificing to the other. And if both are giving to the other, then I don't have to worry about my back because my wife has my back and I've got her back. And I support her and she supports me and I celebrate her and she celebrates me. You know, it's, it's, it's about pleasure. It's about safety. It's about companionship. And, and it's just about that's kind of the truest kind of intimacy is when I I don't have to worry about anything in the space with this, uh, with this person. Um, Cause we, we live it out together and then to be able to work together and serve together. We don't, like work together physically every day because she's in one space and I'm in another and we do different types of ministry, but we're, we're kind of in it together. Um, And so sometimes we do work together as well. And so the opportunity to do that uh, is exciting and and wonderful because she has great skills that I do not have or struggle with. I can go do something, but it's not in my wheelhouse, you know, and vice versa, hopefully one or two. Um, But I mean, she's just a ball of all these skills. And I'm kind of like, I got my thing that I can do. And hopefully I can do that well. And and I don't don't say that, um, you know, like false humility. It's it's true. Like, like her, Mm -hmm. she's able to organize and able to think things through and analyze and whatever. I just kind of like, I don't know, let's go. Let's just roll. So that's a, that's a huge blessing to have the person that I love and that, you know, that I want to give for. Um, but also a, a partner right next to me. And, and I know she's, it's one thing to have somebody who says, I got your back, but they have no skills. It's like, thanks, <laughs> you know, but it's another thing to have somebody who's actually really skillful and really good. It's like, I know Paula uh, is there, you know, and it's like, that's a good thing. I love that you guys do lead an example with your beautiful marriage. And shout out to Major Cam and his wife because they officiated Doug and I's wedding. So, mm-hmm. 
that marriage counseling, you guys, was everything. I often go back to the texts and the worksheets we use, you know, just to keep myself in line. Uh, something else that I think you do by a wonderful example is really live out what discipleship looks like. I've had experiences in the church where I've had amazing pastors, but it was really a high and by relationship, whether by my fault or theirs, or just by the nature of the rhythm of things, everything's so quick and outside of like receiving the message, if they weren't my Sunday school teacher, or even my Sunday school teacher outside of that, we really weren't living life together. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was at a youth event when I was younger, and this really stuck with me. And the pastor was saying, listen, as a Christian, you really should have a caravan, there should be people that you are leading like people who you're mentoring people that you're walking beside and people that you're looking toward that are mentoring you and through your example i have been able to really experience a caravan and have people that i'm walking mm -hmm. beside through the format of the wesley class meeting small groups uh, can you share with the kickbacks, the importance of small groups in the Christian community. Yeah, I've only discovered that since moving here. I'm a mutual friend of all of ours, uh, Bob Watson, handed me a couple of books. I'm, I mentioned I'm a pastor with the Salvation Army, and our Salvation Army is a Wesleyan Armenian movement. And so we teach and preach holiness um, in that way that we can become changed by God and into his image and not uh, not just, well, I, I'll be changed in heaven, but I just wrestle with this flesh, whatever else. And, and um, Wesleyanism, Wesley taught, no, we can be changed here today and, and becoming like God and, and being changed by him. But one of the best ways to do that is in community with, with other believers. And so one of the things that I learned is that importance of that 10 to 12. I think the sweet spot is probably eight to 10, but they did 10 to 12. I think our busyness is different than their busyness then. So that's mm -hmm. why I say maybe eight to 10 is a sweet spot, but we kind of did it with 17, didn't we? And we kind of just, you know, we had some more faithful than others or others branching off to do other things. And that's good too. But anyway, but that small group to just be real with has just been in, in my mind in, in, impactful to me and a quick note, and then help me remember to come, come back to to that. And that is that right now in my role, like I'm not a pastor of a church. Um, I try to help in, around the state of Florida. So while it might be easier for me to dig in with um, us, us 10 or 11 or whatever people, and then have some tangential closer relationships kind of around that aren't necessarily in that group that meets all the time, but tangential. But other than that, I have, you know, a high and by relationship with a lot of folks in the church as well. I can't have a hundred percent, all of me, all of my attention, and neither can you all uh, with, with every single person. So I, I've also been that pastor who maybe someone in the church just feels like I, I'm not really close to him or to, to Paula, but I'm close to a Sabrina, you know, whatever, like, like I have my, and I think that's one of the things we need to be learning because we put so much on the pastor, like you need to be my pastor. Yeah, I know you got a whole bunch of others, but mine and uh, it's like, I, how can I possibly do that? And the guilt that pastors carry. I don't know a pastor who says, I'm nailing this. You know, I, I just don't know of that person. I, that's just something to be aware of. Pastors carry so much guilt. Goodness, the person died before I was able to get there. Or such and such happened in a traumatic moment. And I didn't know how heavy it was for them. Because it didn't seem like a huge thing. You know, does that make sense? So 
I've been that person where the, the, per, the congregant has said to me, so-and-so happened and you weren't there. And I was like, I didn't know it was a, know what it meant to you. And if I had, if somebody had called me, somebody had, you know, so there's just so much there. What Wesley teaches is that the small groups gives that opportunity for you to be intimate and close with a smaller number of people so that everyone does have that group because Wesley himself couldn't get to thousands of people. Tony Evans can't get to thousands of people. He's got, I'm pretty confident, his church organized into smaller groups. Wesley's class meeting is a specific kind of group, though, that connects with each other to say, one, how's your soul? How is God changing you? And is God changing your behavior? Are there sins to confess and to share with the group to get it off your shoulders? Keep short accounts is the way somebody phrased it with me. Like, don't carry this forever and let guilt build and build and build and start to hide and hide and hide. Just get it out. You know, yeah, mm. oh, golly, you guys, yesterday I got caught again by that thing. And everybody in the group, we know, we know that thing. You wrestle with it. I got something different, but we wrestle with things and we're praying each other through it. And then we share victories and those kinds of things. And just watching each other grow. I've been a, a pastor of a church, my wife and I, for 14 years. And then for nine years, I've been kind of watching and trying to help statewide, kind of how are they doing? How can I help them for another nine years? And in all that time, discovering this class meeting, this way of doing small groups, I think is more impactful than anything that I've ever known or done. And I'm going, Mm. man, I I missed out on so much. So I I really am excited about it. Several of you, not just EB, uh, but I know EB also does. Do you all as well? A band. I don't have a band, Mm -hmm. but a band where it's just two or three people where it's like, for real, let me tell you exactly what it is. Instead of just generally, hey, I'm struggling with pride. Y'all help me. A a band is a really small group where I can say, EB, Sabrina, Doug, here's this this person I am really prideful about. And I'm, I'm really, I'm starting to have these thoughts. And you're able, able to get very deep into these things. So those kinds of groups I'm really finding to be powerful. It's exciting to me um, what happens. I know for the first time in many years, I just feel so connected. And I feel, like I said, like I'm really walking beside these people. And it's not just a service. Hi and bye. And church was good. And like, I know what's happening in their life. And we can pray for each other and really be there for each mm-hmm. other. Well, the, if I can say too, one, I'm, so the class yeah. meeting, those those types of things is powerful and powerful and powerful. But another thing I've discovered recently and been working on with you all and, and EB and I um, working hard on is mission, discipling in mission and discovering that, wow, it's not just, hey, we need to do something good for people also. It's, it's more a matter of, I don't really grow unless I'm also serving mankind around Mm. me. And it goes back to Deuteronomy 6 passage where it's like the people of God saying it's the, uh, it's the law, you know, the 10 commandments and repeating the 10 commandments and remember these things that God told us some, you know, 35, uh, 40 years before. Oh yeah. Those things. Yeah. Well, remember these things and God is our only God. And then uh, verse six, it says, and you commit yourselves wholeheartedly to the commands I'm giving you. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're up. Tie them on your hands and wear them on your foreheads and on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. In other words, bring God into everything that you do. Talk about him all over. Let him be part of your everyday life with your neighbors, with your friends, with your community. With your, with your families. And discipleship isn't just a, a thing that I go to for a 50-minute uh, time period and like, okay, check that box. Um, it's, it's just a life of enjoying God 
and being a part of him and, and inviting others to be a part of him as well who don't know him or who do know him and who are struggling or whatever else. So discipleship just becomes the whole thing of who we are and, and what we do. And that includes serving the people who are in need around us or a neighbor across the street or a coworker who's struggling or the poor person on the corner who, gosh, how can I actually help them or, or just sit by and listen to them. So mm-hmm. um, anyway, discipleship is just, it's a life uh, with God. That's what some of the things that I'm learning and, and loving and wanting to practice the best I can. I hope you guys are taking notes or something because he is dropping so many great gems and just a little peek behind the curtains of what it is to be a pastor and to know like, yeah, Tony Evans isn't meeting personally with all those 9,500 people in his congregation. We all need each other. And that um, that's one of the things that I have definitely appreciated about Major Cam is that helping us to connect with each other and and realize that we all have a role to play in this. What you said, because you said earlier, oh, no one has asked you about your attempt. And I was going to say, but you ask us about our souls and how is it with your soul? So it is sort of a temp check, but it's a temp check yeah, with yeah. your soul. And definitely, if you guys haven't done that, find you a group of people that you can get together with and find out how it is with your soul. I also wanted to ask you, because you mentioned that you were going to be moving. Is this for funsies? Is you just like, oh, I want to go somewhere else. Why are you moving, Major Camp? Tell us about that. And tell us about... That's kind of a wandering thought. Um, so I, I might get lost in my thoughts on it, but I appreciate the question. Yeah, just for funsies, you know, change it up, you know, <laughs> get out of the uh, 85 degrees and go to the uh, 23 degrees of uh, the mountains of Tennessee. Yeah, just like, you know, Palm trees to pine needles. Sounds like fun. No, so in, in my work, the uh, occasionally the Salvation Army moves folks around to say, I need your work over here now, or I need you to learn something else and grow and those kinds of things. So who knows? We don't really know why. Um, occasionally you're told why, but really you're giving yourself to God. So it's like, I'm God's. Mm-hmm. So I love the men and women in charge. And that's okay too. Um, so we got a call uh, in April and um, pack everything up. You got eight weeks or so. We live in a parsonage. So that's the Salvation Army's home. And so we'll go to another Salvation Army's home in Knoxville, Tennessee and follow some um, good friends of ours who we love very much and and try to follow in their footsteps there. It's a challenge because you have to find schools for the kids. You have to help the kids through that kind of a thought process. Even pets like your dog, your cat, they know something's wrong. What is all these boxes? Mm. And they get really nervous. So it's a it's not an easy time. It works for me because I kind of just roll with things. Others don't roll very well. And so um, it's harder for some and easier for others. The hard thing for me, as are others, is kind of like leaving friends and kind of like, wow, you know, the, the work here and the friendships there and whatever else are just beautiful and, and powerful. And I'm, I'll say, I'm not just saying this, but because of class meeting and because of the, the closeness of that, um, and the way that the, the ministry is rolled out here in Florida, this one, the people uh, will be much harder. The good thing in the Salvation Army is we connect with each other a lot. So it's not like, wow, I don't know if we'll ever see each other again. So uh, that's a good part, but obviously it's not the same. Those aren't easy, easy things. But m- for me, my brain is is always kind of like how what's what's new, what's different and those kinds of things. So uh, I'm 
I'm okay work-wise, um, but people-wise, um, it's hard. So if, if that helps kind of what's in, in your brain about it. And also your mind um, sometimes kind of goes, what will we do there? Will we do okay there? You know, um, uh, that kind of thing. Your mind also goes, why this place or that place? It's hard to figure out. That's why you have to just go, I can't figure out why or what for. I just kind of, yes, Lord, and, and I follow. So yeah, so your mind can play games with you also. Um, mm. uh, our minds aren't, aren't our best friends sometimes, but anyway, you, you just kind of you, you figure things out. In general, glad to serve God and trust him with what's coming, that, but you just can't see it yet. So thinking through this transition, I think it's slightly different, right? And correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the first transition that you'll be making without your action, like, well, because I know Ruby's like your baby as well, your yeah. dog, but <laughs> like your kids are now adults. One is married. Right. And then another one is in college, getting ready to close out, I would say, rather soon um, than later. So yeah. you're not traveling with kids with you this time. But when you think yeah. about leaving friends or peers, um, you're, you're, you have a sense of, say, unique empathy and I would say humility and integrity of, of the way that you lead, um, whether it's the way you lead your family, the way you lead other pastors across the estate, just hearing how some of them are hurting because of the departure of you and your wife. And of course, I have the privilege of working shoulder to shoulder with you or under your leadership, I would say, um, but the way you, you lead this team, thinking of people who are out there, I have this thing in my brain that everybody is a leader in some way, shape or form, because worst case scenario, you're leading yourself. But if you're giving someone some form of advice about leadership, and maybe it's something that you've learned or the way that you find a way to lead, what would that be for our listeners? I mean, I don't consider myself a leadership expert or anything like that. Maybe because I don't think of it um, like logically or strategically like I probably should. But one of the keys in leadership is love, loving the people and, um, and identifying as one of them, not like, well, these are my people and I'm their leader all of the time. It's I'm one of them. One of the things in our group, the class meeting, by the way, if you're interested in some more, one of the things that was very easy read for me and helpful was a book by Kevin Watson, W-A-T-S-O-N. And I think it's just called The Class Meeting. It's a simple book that you can use with a small group to kind of help you transition into this style of a group. He talked about the leader of the group, which is, was the role that I took on as um, I, I don't remember the words because it was about three years ago I read it, but something like the first among uh, equals. So I just simply go first. Uh, I'm not mm. better, worse, whatever else. It's just that I'm first. And in going first, I'm trying to model this is the way to go about when, when it's your turn to talk. I think leadership might be similar, very similar in that way. I, I'm not better or, or worse than anybody. I just, I'm going first. And in going first, I try to model let's do it like that. And then to kind of look back, how is it going? And then to kind of course correct if we need to, or help someone who's struggling doing it like that. I think love and um, caring for the people themselves, not just the mission that you're on, caring for the people themselves and not just the task you want done. Um, because I feel like very oftentimes the people are more important than the tasks that you want done. Mm. Um, we can very easily get our pride mixed up in the task we want done. Um, I want my boss to see that I did a good job on that task and leave behind the people who are working right alongside me and doing that task. So in leadership, I would encourage love and, and giving yourself to the people who are with you on the team as a way of it being about them as well, not just about you. Probably a lot more smart things to say. I don't know, but th that's what comes to mind is a, yeah, as you asked me that. For me, it's always about people. And it's about relationship. That's something that 
you definitely live out. And it's one of the reasons we all love you because we know like the heart of an authentic leader is driven by the meaning associated with their work. And research even tells us that like people who see their work as a calling are more likely to internalize their behavior and excel. So on top of that, you are so aware of your values and your knowledge and your strengths and your weaknesses, which you shared about with you and your wife. Like you, you know those things and you're so transparent. It aids to the fact that you are able to treat us all equally with that love and respect and honor. And you have a relationship with your community and it's not based on what you can get out of it or on like any talents, but a genuine care for others, just who we are as human beings and you're so pleasant to be around and you really inspire greatness just by being who you are so thank you for your leadership uh something about another behind the scenes since i'm talking so much so the kickback every time we go on together you guys we're never on time but we knew we had this amazing special guest and for the first time we didn't have to text each other like you ready what's going on i'm <laughs> running late we were all like on the dot and there's like a sort of reverence and we do have a fun and casual relationship with major but we love him and respect him right and he inspires greatness so when we were finally on it was just silence before we started to record <laughs> we were just like and it's awesome that's you know you really inspire us and we really respect you you didn't finish the story was <laughs> That I was late. <laughs> I was going to tell him. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, what are we doing?" And y'all were like, "We're ready whenever you." Oh, I'm making my coffee. What? <laughs> See, there goes the transparency again. He's such a. Great oh yeah, right. Leader. Just to uh, wrap up, is there something you want people to know about you, and where can people find you? So, if they're hearing about class meeting, or they're hearing your heart, and they want those resources are they remembered you mention a book and what others how can they connect with you for that stuff eb and i uh, recently did a holiness conference we hosted it he and i are not um scholars in holiness but uh try to live it out and and study it but we brought in some folks who are and and one of those was eb and i kind of hosted a, a, a short, a shortified version of how to do a class meeting. You can find that on our website through one up pretty quickly. It's called sadiscipleship.org or .com. Evie, do you remember what that is? Is it org? Org, I believe. Yeah. Anyway, sadiscipleship.org. It's um, a little bit difficult because after we bought that website, I realized it looks like sad discipleships. But anyway, <laughs> so that's maybe how you can remember it. <laughs> sadiscipleship.org and and on there too i do have a youtube channel where i try to share some messages and a few things it's just kind of where i try to keep a record of some of the things so it's not highly organized but there's some things there Uh, i am on facebook and things but i'm I'm not like the best social media person in fact i kind of don't like it it's a tool that i use to try to say hey here's a ministry thing or hey good job you know kind of thing what he's basically saying is if you send him a friend request it might be sitting there pending for a very very long time (laughs) that's what he's really saying (laughs) i was gonna say he might accept but then he ain't gonna say much after that (laughs) we're friends on facebook that's about it we are so grateful for you let me tell you guys listen there are preachers and then there are pastors and there's a difference some people preach the word of god and that is what 
they do and they do and they may do it very well but some people are pastors like that is their heart they love God but they love God's people and they reach out to God's people and they just can't help but doing that um and that is major cam we never really talked about this a little bit but I'll just briefly just say this because when you probably he said his name is cam henderson why do they keep calling him major cam major cam well in the salvation army there are different ranks and major or cam henderson which is so weird to say his rank is major and that's why we keep referring to him as major cam i mean he is a major deal but it's because that is his rank (laughs) in the salvation army is major but yeah major cam is a pastor and like he was saying his role right now is not pastoring specifically a church but he still was like, I have to pastor God's people because that is his heart. He never specifically said that, but you just can tell that by his actions and the fact that he does want to intentionally connect with God's people, that is not easy to come by. And not always because of the fault of the preacher. Like Major Cam said, sometimes preachers have such a great responsibility and such a heavy load that they can't be there for everyone in the way that they would love to, but find ways to find a pastor, someone that is literally going to invest in your life. And you also in turn invest in others as well. It's been awesome to watch you all just continue to grow. I hope I've grown through our group and through our time and maybe y'all will be able to see, yeah, when you first started, you were kind of like this, and we've seen you grow and change. I hope I've changed some, and but I've certainly seen you all continue to grow and change, and and your husbands and wife, and to kind of watch that. It's just been great. And from that, I say, you are each other's pastors, um, and and caring for one another is is real. And and so yeah, you, we we do need uh, the leader of our congregations to to recognize that pastoral. Um, but we can love and care for each other, and we need to. And we need it for each other, mm-hmm. watching you all love and pastor each other, or I'll help you, or hey, I want to pray for that for you. That's pastoring each other, and it's close and intimate, and it means a lot. I just think it, it's awesome, and I love the way you all do it. So it's been me and Paula, our privilege to be um, just us with you all. And the other great thing about this, you let people be real. So, I mean, just, you know, what people are dealing with, and it's kind of like, I get that. It's all right. We're real with each other. Mm-hmm. And and that's the great thing that we don't often see in church that we're learning yeah. through this group to be like, I'm, I'm real. I'm struggling with that thing and y'all know it. Or I deal with mental health and y'all know it. Or I'm a loud mouth mm-hmm. and y'all know it. You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. We know it and we love each other and we need each other. So it's an awesome thing to pastor each other. It just doesn't come with a paycheck. It just... Uh, just love for each other. Speaking of pastoring each other, I have some free advice for you guys in today's Mindful Matters. First, a question. How are those New Year's resolutions going? Tarika? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, you guys. Every day is new, just like God's mercies that are new every morning. So are your opportunities to push forward with your goals. So when it comes to goals, one of the most common snags that they run into is that they set goals that are so far outside their normal behavior that you really just set yourselves up to fail, okay? The failure then demoralizes you and influences you to stop trying. And I don't want that to happen to you. Pretend like today or tomorrow is January 1st. And I'm going to give you a new tool to help you because come December, I want us all to be able to say, you know what, last year I set this goal and I got a little bit of it achieved or at least some of it achieved. One thing that I love to do is have a mastery 
map, okay? The exercise of drawing out your own map might remind you of being in school, which feels kind of cheesy, but in my experience, this simple act of just sketching it out over the course of like 10 to 15 minutes can really have a transformative impact on your life. So at the top of the map, you just write your goal. Now the guy who made this mastery map, it is trademarked, he will then tell you to work your way down from the top. I'm gonna tell you, work your way up from the bottom because I think you need to just have a firm foundation because at the bottom of that map, you ask yourself, what is my motivation? What is my power value? Like, why do I even wanna do this? What, what's at the heart of this goal? And then on top of that, it's kind of like a little staircase. What is my process for the goal? Like, how will I get there as next? What are my challenges gonna be? That's on the top of that. Who will support me and how will I measure success? So you might say, uh, I'll just say a stereotypical one that a lot of people can identify with is a weight goal, right? And then at the heart of that, it might be, I really just wanna work on self-discipline. I've noticed that I have none in my life. That's my motivation. How will I get there? Who will support me? You write all those things out. And then when it comes to measuring success, success might not look like I lost five pounds this year. It might look like, you know what? I used to average 400 steps a day and now I average 10,000, which is huge. And it might not even have anything to do with the actual pounds that you lost. So when you're measuring your success, make sure you're being really, really specific and really, really kind and uh, realistic about what success looks like. It doesn't always look like the long-term goals. Short-term goals are just as worth celebrating, okay? So we can do it, guys. We're about six months halfway in and we have plenty of time to stick to those resolutions. E.B., what are you expounding on today? All right, so my expound today is something that we don't always like talking about. I know I try my best to do it when I mess up to come back to the table and say, I was wrong. Other times, just hold it in or you just share it with just that one person. But recently, one of our jurisdictions, or I'll just say it, and I'm only using this place because there's a lot of other places, but one of our kickbackers, one of the co-hosts of this podcast is from this state. A jury in a North Carolina, shout out to Sabrina, because that's where she's from, <laughs> federal civil rights case has awarded 75, not one, not two, not 10, not 15, not 25, not 30, not 40, not 50, but $75 million to two black intellectually disabled half brothers who spent decades behind bars after being wrongfully convicted in the 1983 rape and murder of an 11 year old girl. The eight person jury on Friday decided Henry McCullum and Leon Brown should receive $31 million for each, each in compensatory damages, 1 million for every year spent in prison. And the jury also awarded them 13 million in punitive damages. So you might be wondering out of all the things to expound on why this? Because they were released in 2014 after DNA evidence pointed to another convicted murderer. So for the past seven years, they've been going back and forth with the lovely judicial system. These kids at the time, or if you wanna call the 19 year old a kid, but I'll probably say he's still a kid, but a 19-year-old and a 15-year-old both was convicted and sentenced to death. Both of them, as they're sitting there in an investigative room, were questioned, of course, without a lawyer present, 
of course, without a parent present, and of course, with two S or former SBI agents, Leroy Allen and Kenneth Steed, in a sense, forcing them or coercing them into saying that they committed this awful and devastating crime. My frustration, not only with this situation, but with also the 143 wrongful convictions that took place in the past year or so is that law enforcement officers in many of these cases are never held accountable. Courts, or not really the courts, because the courts not paying it, but communities and taxpayers or government agencies are in a sense throwing all of this money to these families in hopes that this can, you know, I guess settle the situation, which we know that never really helps because I don't know about you, but you took 31 years out of my life. I don't think that there's enough money that could bring me back to a good or a sane place. Though these both men have said that one said, I'm glad I've got my freedom and I know that I was always innocent. Another one said, there's still a lot of innocent people in prison today and they don't deserve to be there, which I'm pretty sure we all probably can agree that, yeah, it's probably some people who don't deserve to be there and others you might say, no, they deserve to be there. I would hope that we come to a place within our judicial system where law enforcement officers or lawyers or even judges or any person who plays a role in these type of situations are held accountable after the truth is in a sense made known. The other thing I would hope and I would pray for, and you can find these in like the Innocence Projects or in the Just Mercy organization, which that'll be part of one of my recommends, but it's countless other agencies out there that people would be okay with using evidence to exonerate individuals. The fact that families have to go through decades of trying to get either appeals or trying to find a way to receive some form of full pardons of innocence is frustrating because I would assume that once you just do DNA evidence, you would know if the person was either guilty or not. So wouldn't that be easier to close those books than to continue like, nope, you don't get an appeal this, this year. Nope, you don't get one this year. Or the back and forth or even the trauma or the mental health or in a sense what some would even consider the enslavement of people today. I just want others to know that there are countless people who are behind bars because of a judicial system that refuses to allow DNA evidence in many of the cases today. And I also find it very, very childish at times for any law enforcement officer or any government official, defense attorney, prosecuting attorney, whatever side they're on, to, I guess you can say, interrogate minors. Like, I, I feel like there should be some form of law enacted that there's no way a police can talk to a child without their parent or guardian present um, in these type of situations. Because, like, a kid, like, I don't know about you, but I know in this case, I don't know these people, but I can't tell you that a 15-year-old would know what to say with law enforcement breathing out his dick neck in a room just isolated from anything that he knows or being in a room where you know your half brother is 19 and not to mention that they're intellectually disabled but your half brother is in another room and you have an sbi agent which is a special force agent so to speak is telling you that the person in the other room just basically told on you so you really have no choice and this is the best thing you can do is say that you did it lying to potential defendants or potential 
suspects should be some form of a crime. Like, I don't think you should get away with that or people shouldn't get away with that. Like if a person lied on a stand, they don't get away with that if it comes known that they did that. So I feel like with these people who are sworn to serve and protect communities across this world, that there should be some form of accountability held on their part when these type of situations come from out of the darkness and into the light. I don't know. It's just one of those things that's very, very frustrating. And I just wish we as a country and we as a culture did better. I didn't know there are any cases where DNA evidence wasn't allowed. I thought that was like one of the hugest blessings for our justice system when we started to be able to find things by fingerprints and little hairs and drops of spit and all that sort of thing. So that's something new for me to learn. Like the Innocence Project is probably one of the most well-known ones, but there's a lot of communities or cases where they, I won't say, I don't know if they like outright refuse it, but they'll sit there and say, no, we're not taking any new information. And so it'll be just trial after trial where you're hoping that something happens. Like you just think of this case, two kids, and I say kids because they were 19 and 15, but you go to jail in 1983 and they, they don't use the DNA evidence until 2014 from this case. So in this entire span of 31 years, we were okay with saying that these individuals who are intellectually disabled, they did it and we're gonna convict them to be sentenced to death. And they're sitting there on death row. And then after appeal, after appeal, after appeal, some judge or some community finally says, yes, we will grant it. And then they find out that it wasn't them. And then they do, their little due diligence, so to speak, of investigation on the back end to find out how did they confess to this? And you find out two agents basically wrongfully coerced them into doing that. And then mm-hmm. in a sense, nothing happens to them outside of losing their jobs because that's why it just says former agent. But I feel like it should be a little more than that. I'm not saying, I don't know what that would be. Um, part of me would be like, it should be some form of crime enacted for law enforcement officials or judges or prosecutor that like, if this happens, then I don't know if you take those exact charges that you said that they did, but in a case, like something has to give where this wouldn't be, I would say, common. And then when you see constantly year after year, people are exonerated because of DNA evidence. Part of me, I would love to know if money could just be funneled into certain situations where, hey, any type of rape or murder or any serious crime, such as not saying other crimes aren't as serious, but like DNA should be an automatic thing and not Mm. uh, by virtue of a choice of a judge, so to speak, because I think that's what makes the final decision, but I'm not fully sure. So from there, what are you recommending today? So I am recommending Jess Mercy. Um, for those of you, you may have already seen the book. I know we probably even talked about it on this podcast, but just in case you didn't, there's a book and a movie, Just Mercy, mm-hmm. A Story of Justice and Redemption by Brian Stevenson. Equal Justice Institute founder Brian Stevenson has dedicated his career to representing the most vulnerable people um, in the South, from a woman who was convicted of murder for giving birth to a stillborn child, to Walter McMillan, who became a murder suspect simply because he was in an interracial relationship. McMillan, who spent six years on death row, is played by, of course, an actor that many of us know, Jamie Foxx, in the film Just Mercy, based on Stevenson's book. So that's what I am recommending for you guys today. I've never seen that. And usually I try, I'm not the best at watching things that like are heavy. Cause I'm like, ah, I can't, my little heart can't take it. But I will eventually dive in to that. Very similar to what Edie did. His expounds went straight into his recommends. 
my Mindful Matters is going to go straight into what I'm recommending, which is the book Life as Sport. Another great thing about us coming out of like the heavy periods of isolation in the pandemic is that a lot of uh, sports events are happening and really going at a pace that is kind of normal. So this book is amazing. It is about what top athletes can teach you about how to win at different situations in your own life. And the mastery map actually comes out of this book. I love it. Uh, Dr. Jonathan Bader is the author and he has a lot of great things out there about performance psychology, which is a field that I'm very involved in and interested in. So check out Life as Sport by Dr. Jonathan Bader. Sharika, what you got? We're on a roll today because my invite goes right into my recommendation today. And I'm going to recommend the One Place app. The One Place app is a Christian app that gives you free access to most popular Christian broadcasts and ministry and radio and podcasts. So there's sermons on there. There's podcasts on there. There are um, like, um, like if you like focus on the family, they have a little thing on there where you can listen to some of their interviews and different things like that. So I'm recommending the One Place app. And that is where I listened to Tony Evans sermons on my way to work. Do you want to give one disclaimer? I don't know if it's a disclaimer, but make sure you know what kind of denomination you are a part of. And because like I said, it's, it's all kinds of mi different ministries. So you want to make sure that it aligns with your walk with the Lord. Like if you believe in, you know, what's safe, always safe, you know, you might be interested in some different broadcasts or you're like, you know what? Salvation is continued obedience to Christ. You might be listening to something else. And there's good things to learn and to hear other insights. So I'm recommending the One Place app. The amazing major cam. Do you have anything you'd like to recommend to the kickbackers today? One of the things that I'll recommend is time with God each day. Amen. Because it just really, not just because it makes your day better. It's just better to be with God than to not be with God. And so I would recommend a few moments with the Lord each morning. One of the things that I would say is obviously you spend uh, some time in the Bible and then some time in, in prayer. And it can be as simple as that. But if you need a direction to go, I would just look up lectionary. There's a thing called a lectionary that kind of gives the church a sense of, okay, what are we preaching about or teaching about or talking about? And, and I'm not real familiar with the lectionary, except that it's a place where you can say, well, I don't, I don't know where to start. So I'll start with that. And it says for this week, um, read these, these four or five passages, you know, each day during the week um, or just, um, open to the Gospel of John or Exodus, whatever else. Just kind of read some of the stories of Scripture, and it's a way of just, you know, um, five or ten minutes in the mornings, whatever, and then a few moments with the Lord uh, in prayer, and just kind of tell Him about your day, tell Him about your failures and what you you feel like you need help with, and those kinds of things, and just talk to Him like like we're talking here, or like you would talk to a friend, because you know He understands what you're saying. So anyway, I just talked to Him. But there's um, also a really neat book along those same lines called The Mind of Christ called by Dennis Kinlaw, The Mind of Christ by Dennis Kinlaw. And there's a bunch of stuff, but I just I've fallen in love with the way he writes. It's just really easy and simple and conversational as opposed to some um, high and lofty, although he is high and lofty. He was uh, uh, one of the one of the one of the godliest men and leader of of uh, of uh, Asbury uh, University or college back in his day. 
Um, anyway, so very, very godly man. But he writes just so easy and simple that it's a book that you can pick up and just go, oh, I like that. Um, so just about um, your connection with God. So those are a couple of things that I would say. So electionary, just Google electionary 2021 because we're in, I mean, it's like a, I don't know how many years cycle so that eventually through the years you work through the Bible. So just find out where you're at today or just pick a book and I journal next to it. So you just pick a book and then kind of write out, Oh, that was neat. Check that out. You know, whatever that kind of thing, but you don't have to do that. Just spend a few minutes with God and a few minutes praying with God and just um, ask him for his blessing on, on the day and ask him to help you remember him during the day as well. I recommend the kickback also. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for your recommendations <laughs> to all of our listeners. Again, as you get ready to enjoy this Memorial day weekend we encourage you to stay safe and we in a sense honor and mourn the loss of all military personnel who have died in the line of duty and also may 31st is a special day for me in my life because it's my daddy birthday so pops happy 68th yes that's correct happy 68th birthday and i'm only saying shout out because i hear from my nieces that he be listening from time to time but then when i ask him about the pod he like be like five or six episodes off but it's cool continue listening daddy we love you as always if life tries to knock you down make sure you kick back until next time